All right, if you're one of our pirate ship kids, you are dismissed. Two years in, let me just say, first of all, thank you to some very important people. I want to say thank you to, first of all, my wife. Um, She was the first person I ever recruited to be a part of this. And without her, I don't know that I would have made it on many of those days. And she's in kids this morning holding a screaming baby named Maverick. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Ryan and for all of his work that he's done. And I think he's almost been here a year. And uh, man, just the work that he's put into this is uh, really incredible. And so I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for his wife, Nicole, and she does a lot of work for us in admin. I want to say thank you to you, and I think Jen is here this morning, or maybe she just left with all the kids, but Jennifer, our kids director, she's done a fantastic job and um, raising up our, our children in the back. It's not just daycare, it's not babysitting, but it's um, making disciples back there, and uh, she wants to equip you to do that, and Last but not least, there's a young man by the name of Adam Butler who has uh, done a phenomenal job. And so I want to say thank you to you too. You've done excellent working with us here the last really two years and working hard. And I just want to say thank you to you. And a lot more about that in just a little bit. But what's really happened among our Creekside team and our staff is that uh, we've really become like family over the last. Uh, several months and over the last several years, we've really become a lot like family, and um, we're, we're getting ready to, you know, continue to take trips together. We do family dinners together, and uh, what we want to see is that spread throughout our church, and our one big thing this year is family. It's family, right? That's what we want to see this year is Creekside continue to make strides as a family. Whenever I think about family, a particular story comes to mind uh, we were in uh, this little place called Gatlinburg. How many of you have ever been through Gatlinburg? It was a big family trip that we were all taking. I've got a big family, and we decided one night that it was good for us to take a stroll. It was one of those nights where it was kind of warm. You know, it was really warm outside, and we were going to take a stroll through downtown Gatlinburg. And I was just a young boy, and as we were walking through the city, um, we had to wait at a traffic light, and we were getting ready to cross the street, and as it came time for us to finally cross the street, the light turned green, and we all started walking across the street, and then we noticed all of a sudden that one of us from the party was missing. There was somebody from our party that was missing, and as we're just about ready to cross the street, we turn around and look, and it's my middle brother who was kind of staying there on the sidewalk. And we said, hey, Adam, it's time to go. Come on, we're going to cross the street. You're going to get left. And he said, I can't. And we looked at him and said, what do you mean you can't? And we noticed that he was kind of out looking at some ducks there. And all of a sudden, we realized that the situation was a little serious because his arms were flapping like this. And he had stuck his head in between two bars, and he could not get it out. And we said, dude, get your head out. It's time to go. And he said, I can't. And he kind of grew impatient and started to cry a little bit because he thought that he was going to get left. And it was the most funny thing that I think I've ever seen him do whenever his big head got stuck in between the two bars. And we thought about it for a minute, and my suggestion was just leave him. We'll be better off without him. He's always 
He's always making us late. He's always dragging us. I said, just leave him, but they thought it would be a better idea to try and pull his head out. And they go to pull the boy's head out, and they cannot get it. And it was my dad and my granddad, and we tried, they tried everything that they could possibly do. And it came to the point where they really thought they were going to have to call the fire department to get his head out. Or to go and find a saw to cut off the wooden bars to try and get his big head out of there. And then, of course, they finally, with every ounce of strength they had, went up to the wooden bars, pulled it to the best of their abilities, gave it everything they finally had, and it finally came out of those bars, and we were were able to keep going with our trip. And we looked at him, and we said, what are you doing? And he said, with the most sweet, toddler, three-year-old voice, I was just looking at the ducks. And he got left behind. Now, the moral of the story is simply this, that, Being nosy and having a big head will get you into trouble. I'm just kidding. That's not really the moral of the story. But it certainly was for him. The moral of the story is this, is that our brothers and our sisters get left behind when we're not paying attention. Is that our brothers and our sisters get left behind whenever we're not paying attention. And you could almost say this, that they will for sure be left behind if we're not paying them proper attention. Now, this morning you're probably asking the question, okay, who is my brother? And this is a lot like the question that we see given to Jesus in the Gospels whenever some of the Pharisees and, and the scribes, they ask him, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, I ask you this morning, who is your brother? Who is my brother? Who is the brother and who is the sister of Creekside Church? And I'm glad that you asked this morning, you see, because just two years ago, I stood on this exact stage and I gave this glaring statistic about your city and my city, where where I lay my head at night, where you lay your head at night, the city of Goose Creek. We we said these exact words, this exact statistic, that 70% of the city of Goose Creek has zero religious affiliation whatsoever. Zero. That means they're not Hindu, they're not Mormon, they're not Catholic, they're not following Jesus. 70% of the city of Goose Creek, if they were to die today, they would die apart from Jesus. Not just for their lives, but they would die apart from Jesus for all of eternity. 70% of the city, that's somewhere close to about 30,000 people. Now, if you do the math, okay, so that means that 30%, of our city is even religious. 30% of our city is even religious. If you break it down even further from that, how many of them actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ? This morning, in Berkeley County, one of the largest counties in all the state of South Carolina, the state of Ber- the, the area of Berkeley County, this morning, less than 10% is active in a church this morning. Less than 10%. They kind of estimated it as somewhere around 8% of our county, Berkeley County, one of the largest in South Carolina, is actually worshiping Jesus this morning. These are our brothers and sisters. These are the people that we're talking about. Now, here's the thing. We, we knew that it was going to be tough coming into this environment going in. We knew that it was going to be tough. We knew that it was going to be really hard. But what we didn't know is about this area is just how high risk of an area and how tense it is here. 
how high risk and how tense. In a two-mile radius from this building, I want you to understand that majority of the population lives in what we would call below the poverty line. In two miles from this particular direction, any, any two miles that you want to go, lives below the poverty line. Two miles away from this building, there are families dealing with serious drug and alcohol addiction. That two miles in any direction from this building, more and more children are falling through the cracks and being sent into foster care. Berkeley County DSS is so overwhelmed with children in the foster care system that they actually have to send them out of county. These are our brothers and sisters. And if we're not paying attention to our brothers and our sisters, they will be left behind. You see, two years ago, we knew the statistics, but two years in, we know their names. We know their faces. We know their stories. We know so much more today than we did two years ago. And here's what I want to tell, what I want to tell you about, about Creekside Church. If I had any way to sum it up, if I had to, to describe who we've become and who we are as a church, listen, I, I want you to understand that at Creekside Church, God has provided us with a unique opportunity to see lives changed from the ground up. That He has provided us with a unique opportunity to see lives changed, not just here on earth, but forever and forever and forever. I'll be the first to say that many churches probably do a better job with the lights and the pomp and the circumstance. There's probably a lot of churches out there that do a much better job at teaching theology and, and preaching on Sunday mornings. If I'm just being honest, there's probably a lot better preachers in, in this city than I am. But what God has done with us, I love you, man. You're, you're my boy. You are my boy. But at Creekside Church, God has provided us with a unique opportunity to be in the trenches. To be in the trenches. To be in the hard places. To be in the places where nobody else wants to go. To be in the neighborhoods that are overlooked to be in the neighborhoods where no church has ever stepped foot, to be in the corners in the apartments, to be in the mobile home parks, where every other church says, we're not going there. We're not doing that. And I want you to understand that you have the opportunity to change somebody's life. You do, and that's the reality here this morning. Now, some of you might be asking, okay, why is it like that here? Why, why is this location a little bit different? And I'm glad that you asked. I, I want to unpack that a little bit this morning and kind of show you some of the best explanation that I possibly have. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that's where we'll be camping out this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over there at our Connect table. And that is a free Bible for you to have 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 1. If you are there, say, I'm there. All right, let's read. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways 
We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me read that again. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He starts off this message to the church at Corinth. He says, you have received this ministry, or having received this ministry. Now, in the previous chapter, in chapter 3, Paul spent a good deal of time talking and explaining that the believers in Corinth, they were once alienated from Christ. They were once living in darkness. They once had a veil over their face and could not see the light of Jesus Christ. They did not have faith in Him. They did not follow Him. They were not Christian. And they basically had their lives uh, kind of kind of disclosed to the truth that they could not see the truth. Their hearts were veiled, their minds were veiled, their eyes were veiled, could not see Jesus, and therefore did not have a relationship with Him. They didn't believe in the fact that Jesus came into the world. They did not believe that Jesus had died on the cross, that He was who He said He was, did not believe in the resurrection, and therefore had no relationship with Jesus Christ. And their understanding of that was very little, did not have faith. But it says, but through Christ their eyes were opened, and their eyes were opened, and the veil was removed, and they could see clearly. And that's what he's saying to the church at Corinth, and that's what he would say to us too. That there was a time in your life, and there was a time in my life, when my eyes were shut and I could not see the good news of Jesus Christ. My, there was a veil over my face, a veil over my eyes, a veil to the truth. I could not see past it. But through Jesus Christ, we have now been able to see. A light has come, and we are able to see this. That's what he's saying to them, basically. But, and he goes on to say in verse 2, he says that we refuse to practice cunning. And he says that we're not tampering with God's word. We're not tampering with God's methods. He says that here is the good news of Jesus, the straight gospel message. And that's what we're going to preach. And we're not going to preach anything else. You see, there were people in this day, they would take the good news of Jesus and they would water it down in order to make Christianity appear to be this popular thing, this trendy thing. They would tamper with God's Word so that they could squeeze everybody in and not tell the whole truth. And they would use the Word of God for profit. And they would use the Word of God to try and make money. Paul says, hey, we're not doing that. We're not messing with God's Word. We're not messing with the message. The message of the gospel is, it is what it is, and we're going to leave it at that completely unadulterated. We're going to share the gospel, and if it offends you, then so be it. This is the church. And unfortunately, I think many churches today have done this 
they have practiced this kind of cunning methods to try and squeeze everybody in. We can't offend anybody. We want everybody in. We want to change the message, so to speak. We don't want to offend you. We don't want to drive you away. And listen, I love lost people. I love people who are far from God. And we will do whatever it takes to make the good news of Jesus make sense to them. But we will not change the message. We can't change the message. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here, is that we do not water it down. We don't use this for selfish gain or to gain money or to gain a following. But look at verse 4. He says, here's what happened, and, and here's where the veil comes from. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And his work in the world is to keep people from seeing the good news of Jesus Christ. His work in this world is to keep their eyes veiled, to keep their hearts veiled, to keep their minds veiled, to keep them living in darkness away from seeing the light of the gospel. That's what's happened. And I've asked myself a lot, why is there so much brokenness around us? Why is there so much brokenness in the city of Goose Creek? Why is it different here? Why are so many children falling through the cracks? Why is there so much uh, poverty around here? Why is there so much hopelessness around here? Why are there so many people just addicted to drugs and, and to alcohol? Why is it that way here in the city of Goose Creek? It is because the enemy has blinded the minds and the hearts of the unbelievers. He's blinded their minds and their hearts from seeing the truth. He's blinded them. And they cannot see the good news of Jesus. Listen, this is not the way that we like to think about it. This is not the way that I like to see and think about my neighbors. This is not the way that you like to see and think about your neighbors, your friends, your family, your loved ones. But this is how the Bible describes it. This is what the Bible says about those who don't follow Christ. And listen, I, I think many of you, we can just be honest and call it like it is. When we've been walking through neighborhoods like Wingate, it feels like there is just a heavy spirit of oppression. It feels taxing. You leave there and don't leave energized. You leave and just feel drained. You leave this neighborhood right here after you're trying to go out and share the gospel. You don't leave feeling encouraged and excited. You leave feeling just discouraged and defeated. Why? Because the enemy is at work. The enemy is at work here. And his work is incredible, blinded, cannot see. But listen to the words of Christ in verse 5. He says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Have you ever seen yourself as a servant to this community? Let me ask that again. Have you ever seen yourself as a servant to this community, to your community, where you live? Have you ever seen yourself as a servant to someone who might consider themselves to be a new believer in Jesus Christ? 
You are a servant to them on behalf of Jesus Christ. You're a servant. Your life is no longer your own. You're living on behalf of Jesus for somebody else. Listen, I don't want you guys to get this twisted. I want you to understand this completely and wholeheartedly. Listen, this church was never about us. We didn't start this church to be about us. This church was started to be about Jesus. And this church was never started to be for you or for me. This church was started to be for them. And if our minds and our eyes are only thinking about us, then we've missed what this was even started for in the beginning. It was never for us. It was for Jesus, never about us, but it was for them. It was for them. For our brothers and sisters who have their minds darkened to the truth. Do you see yourself as a servant to them? On behalf of Jesus. Look what he says. Here's the good news. Verse 6, and what we can take courage in. He says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It was dark in the city of Corinth. What happened, the light of Jesus Christ shone and it shined brightly through the lives of the believers that were there. What is our hope? What do we have to put our hope and our trust in for this city, for your neighborhood, for Wingate and for Devon Forest? What do we have to put our hope in? We have to put our hope in this and this alone. Now the fact that Jesus Christ and His good news has shown in our hearts for us to be image bearers and light bearers to the rest of the city. He's shown in our hearts and in our lives for us to now be servants and to let the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to shine in this city. Let light shine out of darkness. And I want you to understand, church, that, listen, we have some major plans this year, some major things, like some really exciting things, some things that kind of I can't wait for, that I can't wait to see happen, some really exciting things, some, some things like this that, we're going to emphasize family, and I said that a little bit ago, that, that this year our one big theme is kind of this idea of one, that we want to be one family, one family following one God on one mission as one family. And to do that, we're going to have some family dinners after church from time to time. We're going to get together at least once a month as one big family. There's some of you who don't know everybody in this room and who, who don't know the burdens that go on in the lives of those around you. And so what we're going to try and do to create some of that fellowship and that hospitality is that at least once, once a month we're going to have this big family dinner uh, as just one big church, and the church is going to provide it. You don't need to bring anything. You just need to show up and be hungry and be ready to talk to your brothers and sisters. This year we're going to introduce new groups for ladies for ladies to get together and to grow as disciples and to continue to talk about and, and, and think about what it looks like to bring other ladies in apart that are apart from Christ and to do the same with men. 
I'm really excited about our first men's event. It's actually going to be really fun. It's just a bunch of dudes out in the field with burgers and bullets, right? Something like that. Sounds fun. Guys, you up for that? Brothers, bullets, and burgers. Bibles, something. There's bullets and there's brothers, something or another. We just get to shoot guns and blow stuff up. Sounds like fun to me. New groups for ladies and new groups for men. Next week, we're getting ready to ordain and vote on a new pastor to be a part of our team to help in the decision-making of our church and Pastor Ryan, and I think that's really exciting. We're going to continue and doing our best with Sunday worship, and Pastor Ryan, he's talked about it a lot this year, that he has some major goals this year that he wants to continue to grow the worship team, that he wants to grow the worship team and to continue to make this an authentic worship experience where we get to sing loud and there's no hindrance, there's no burdens, there's no distractions. That's one of his major goals this year is to grow this team so that you can hear the gospel through music. I've spoken with Jen, our our kids director, and she this year has a major goal that she wants to help our parents continue to know what it means to be a disciple maker in the home. That she doesn't want you to rely on our teachers, doesn't want you to rely on her, doesn't want you to rely on us, but wants you to have the tools and the skills that you need so that you can raise your children in Christ Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That's really exciting. And I've spoken with Adam, and he has some major goals this year to to teach our, our middle school and our high school students, and he wants to continue to teach them exactly what we just read there. He wants to teach them the good news of Jesus without practicing cunning or tampering with God's Word, the open statement of truth. That guy loves truth, and he wants to have fun with a lot of our teens and, and our, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, but more than anything else, he wants to teach the good news of Jesus to your students and to all the students around this area. And we're excited for that. We're going to continue working in our community groups to continue producing disciples. And a disciple is someone who does what? A disciple is someone who is growing and giving and going for Jesus. And in our community groups this year, we're going to continue to focus on that, launching a brand new group this year. Launching a brand new group, continuing to teach people how to grow, give, and go. But I want you to understand this, that every single thing we're doing, every single plan that we have, every bit of it, is to help you be a better bearer of the light of Jesus Christ where you live, work, and play. Every single plan that we have, every word that's spoken, every action that's put in this step is for you to be a better missionary where you live, work, and play. To be more full of the light of Christ. To shine the glory of God. And you see, here's the good news. In 2019, we were able to see a great deal of our mission and our vision accomplished. We were able to see a great deal of that accomplished, and that's what excites us. So many incredible things. Here's some things that we can celebrate. Listen, and I want you to celebrate with me whenever you hear these things, okay? You can, it's all right. We are Baptists, but we do like to celebrate. Steve, Denise, y'all lead the way, okay, and celebrate this. Listen, that in the year of 2019, over 300 people heard the good news of Jesus. Come on, that's better than that. Over 300 people heard the good news of Jesus. That's really awesome. Listen, they're living in darkness, and they heard and had an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus 
Because of Creekside Church, over 300 people heard the good news of Jesus. Listen, three of them actually came to know Jesus and began walking in Him this year. Three people came to know Jesus and their lives have changed forever. Now, if you're doing the math there, that's about 100 conversations per conversion. All right, that's about 100 conversations that we have to have in order to see one person come to know Christ. Here's another one. That three other churches in our area were trained in the 411 and how to have gospel conversations. You can celebrate that. Listen, this is what we call multiplication. There are other churches now doing what we are doing because of you and because of what we're seeing out in the community. There are other churches that have picked up on the 411 and how to have gospel conversations. They said, we like what you're doing. We want, to, we want to be a part of that. We want to multiply and bring it out to our church. We've had three different gospel conversations in three different churches around the area. That's really awesome. And this year, 15 different people from Creekside Church, at least 15, they reported having a, a gospel conversation or shared their faith in the year of 2019. Come on, that's the last one. You can celebrate that too. You were obedient. You were obedient. You did what Jesus called you to do. You shared the good news of Jesus. Over 15 people in Creekside Church shared their faith this year. And I think that's really awesome, and that's something that we can celebrate. But here's my question. What does obedience in 2020 look like? What does it look like in 2020 for us to continue being obedient? Who are the brothers and sisters now we've forgotten. Who are those that have been left behind? This year, 2020, listen, I understand that our vision is huge. It is strong here, and sometimes it feels overwhelming. But I make no apologies. You need to be in places like Wingate. You need to be in places like that. You need to be in hard soil places, hard places to reach. You need to be there to understand that it's not all rosy, it's not all peaches and cream, and there are people around us who have it a whole lot less fortunate than we do. What does obedience look like this year? For every single one of us to take a next step in following Jesus, I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. We don't have a lot of the things that other churches provide. We're growing. Like I said, we don't have the pomp and circumstance, and we probably never will. It's never going to be a, a big fog machine and a bunch of lights. and Everything we own is on a trailer. And I'm going to continue to try and get better as a pastor and as a preacher. I'm not the best preacher you'll ever hear. But what we have here is a unique and special opportunity to be where nobody else is. That our thumbprint of our church is like no other church in this area. That our DNA is like no other church in this area. God has uniquely called us to be who we are, God's family on mission in the city of Goose Creek. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, as we close this morning and 
as we celebrate all the things that you've done and all the things that you will do. Um, God, our, uh, our hearts are burdened, Lord. Burden for every man, woman, and child. God, and while we celebrate, we keep an eye on the fact that there are many um, living today apart from you. Lord, who have nothing to celebrate and who feel hopeless and who feel like life will probably never get much better. And what we have is the light of the glory of Jesus Christ who shone in our hearts, who removed the veil and who gave us a message. So now send us out. Send us out. Every home represented at Creekside Church and every neighborhood of this city should be like a lighthouse, shining brightly. Lord, we pray for the other churches in this area too. We just sense an awakening and not awakening towards church growth, not awakening towards a particular model, not awakening towards any particular church, but an awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ. And we just pray that you multiply what you did in the last two years. Multiply it, God. We're begging you that we, we don't want to see these things stay the way they are while we're here. Break our hearts, burden our hearts for every man, woman, and child that does not have a relationship with you. It's all about you, your glory, your message, your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we wanted to close out of a particular way and just a special time for us as a church family and we're going to give you just an extended time to do uh, a couple things. One, uh, we want you to be in prayer for every man, woman, and child in this area. Like we said earlier, that we have names, we have stories and faces. Even if this is not your church home and even this is, if this is not your church family, would you just pray for our city? God has opened our eyes to it. We're burdened for it. We love the people here. Would you pray for them? And secondly... If you're a partner here at Creekside, what we have for you here this morning is we have a covenant card. This is what you signed many months ago, and we do this every year where we re-sign our covenant and just say, I'm all in. I'm all in, and I'm ready to be a part of what God's doing here. And so if you call Creekside Church your church home, uh, we would just ask you during the next song, if you would, come and just take a covenant card, just one per family, and sign it and you can leave it right here or you can place it in this offering basket right here just one per family not everybody needs to do it and if you don't call Creekside Church your church home and you'd like to know more about us and maybe you want to make this official and kind of stop the dating phase and we invite you to do one thing and that's join us on December 26th and February 23rd or February 3rd February 2nd and where we're going to have our Discover class. And this is for anybody who wants to take the next step and become a partner with Creekside Church. And what we would like for you to do this morning is just kind of make that known to yourself. Put it on your calendar. 
Uh, blot that date out so that you can be with us on those two dates. And we'll give you all the information that you need to know about being a part of Creekside Church. But whatever God's called you to do this morning, we pray that you would be obedient.